This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome to it. It's uh, five minutes after four. We are ready to go. We hope you are as well. Another edition of the Employment Law Show on here on CKNW. Phone lines already open, so feel free to dial in, call, and ask your questions to Lior over the next hour this afternoon. Lots to get through here as we discuss all angles of employment law. Maybe you have your own, your own question you're dying to ask and saving it up for a week. This is the time to do it. 604-280-9898. Email address, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you haven't been there yet, the website for you, 24-7, absolutely free and anonymous, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So let's uh, let's get going here. Lots on the show to cover this afternoon. Uh, your phone calls, some emails on the way in just a little bit as well. And the topic for today will be, uh, well, we got a couple we're going to get to. No, your employer is not allowed to, dot, dot, dot. We'll get to some of those uh, talking points in just a bit. But a situation, uh, a week that was, pal, what's been happening on your desk uh, this past week? Hey, Johnny. Uh, I am always uh, excited to be back here mm-hmm. and take advantage of the fact that right you know, before the holidays, you have an opportunity to get things straightened out when it comes to your job or your workplace rights. Uh, don't stew over things over the holidays. Don't be in a situation where you're wondering what your rights are, what should I do come uh, the first of the year. No, yeah. let's talk about it right now. We may be able to do things right now to put things in place that takes the stress out or at least gives you the information that you know uh, to, what to expect down the road. So if you've been laid off or worried about being laid off, you want to work from home, you don't want to work from home, your job has changed, your pay has changed, uh, you're not treated properly by the boss, you're not getting answered, you're off sick, any of those issues, bring them on right now. Let's talk about that. Let's make sure that you have solutions because guess what? The law is still here. It's powerful. It applies to all of us, so please take advantage, and we'll, we'll answer those questions today on the show. Or, of course, option B is you can always reach out to me in the office, and we can have a private chat throughout the show. We'll give you that information, so stay tuned for that. But I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about, actually, John, is probably the, the biggest, hottest uh, topic, if you will, in employment law over the past couple of weeks, and that is this, vaccines, right? We've yeah. all heard about vaccines. They're rolling out. In fact, Canada is going to start vaccinating tomorrow. Uh, and at some point, they're going to be widely available. And then the question becomes this. The question becomes very simple. Can your employer make you get vaccinated? That's, that's right. Can your employer says, hey, if you want to continue working with us, you got to get vaccinated or else. So that's a question I've been asked a lot at a bunch of interviews, uh, and it's a question that a lot of employees and employers are going to have to answer in the near future. So let's talk a bit about that. First of all, this is obviously a, a new issue. We haven't had a situation like this before, so there's not like there's a court uh, decisions or human rights uh, tribunal decisions. So I'm going to give you my best advice here. So here's how I see this. Generally speaking, an employer is going to be able to say, yeah, you have to get vaccinated, but the employer is also going to have to say, unless you have a good reason not to. And usually those good reasons could be a health-related issue, maybe a religious reason why you can't get vaccinated. So it can't just be one of those things, well, you know, I, I, I heard my, my cousin Bob say that it's not safe, so I'm not going to get vaccinated. 
But generally speaking, your employer can say, if you want to continue working here, you have to get vaccinated, but there has to be exceptions. If the employer says, no matter what, I don't care about your religion, I don't care about your medical issue, you have to get vaccinated. If they did that, that would be a human rights violation. That would be illegal. So so generally speaking, whenever you're forcing someone to, to, get, to get vaccinated, to under, undergo a medical condition, it could be a human rights violation. But if you allow those exceptions, you may be able to get away with it. Now, th- that said, keep in mind this. Even if you're in a situation where you just decide not to get vaccinated, so your employer says, okay, well, now you're out of a job. In that situation, your employer is still going to have to pay you severance. So it's not illegal necessarily for the employer to say, uh, yeah, you have to get vaccinated. But if you refuse, you can still and you will still be entitled to your full severance. And again, that could be as much as two years pay. So to summarize, could you be forced to be vaccinated? Potentially, yes, as long as the employer allows exceptions for health, for religious reasons. But if you refuse, despite all that, you would still be owed severance. It's possible that the government, uh, either municipal, provincial, or federal, may intervene and force employers to, to uh, require vaccinations. But if they don't, then it's going to be up to individual employers to decide. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. If you're ever in that situation, if you're not sure what to do, if your employer is forcing you, you don't want to, uh, you're being threatened, what have you, you want to reach out to me. John, it's certainly an issue we're going to be seeing a lot of coming in the coming months. Oh, man, I just, you know, I can see that it's going to be an endless litany of phone calls to your office. Where people say, how dare they, you know, encroach on my human rights? I don't want to take this vaccine, and my f- employer is going to force me to take it? Oh, this is, it's going to get ugly. I, I just have a feeling it's going to get ugly. For those people who aren't just going to say, you know what, for the greater good, roll up the sleeve and hope for some herd, herd mentality, but... I don't know. I heard immunity, rather. I don't know. I just I can see this really becoming a, a big issue in the next year or two. Don't you? I absolutely do. And if you think about it, it's it's you know it's one of those things where can an employer or should an employer really tell an employee that they have to undergo a medical uh, procedure? You know yeah. that they have to put something in their body. I, I have a. A, a, a bad reaction to that. You know, I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I, I, you know, I hope that as many people as possible get vaccinated. But I, I do have a, a problem with an employer saying, you have to undergo this medical procedure, put this thing in your body that, that is brand new, that hasn't really been tested for years and years. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a problem for employers to do that as a general rule. Uh, but, you know, our laws don't necessarily prohibit it yeah. Unless, of course, there's a human rights reason as to why you can't do it. Again, to call in and ask your questions about that or any other topic here over the next hour this afternoon, 604-280-9898 would be the other way to do that. Ken, thanks for standing by for a moment. How are you this afternoon? Great, thanks. Hey, Leo, I have an interesting question. If I work in a place and somebody decides I am not going to get, a, I am not going to, uh, uh, get the vaccine, I'm not going to wear a mask, if I'm working there, does that give me grounds to leave? Because I don't want to get COVID. So if, mm. if, if somebody is in that position, uh, it puts me in a bad situation. So where does that leave me as an, as an employee? Great question. It's a, it's a terrific question. And so here's how I, I look at this. An employer has an obligation to keep employees safe, number one. Okay, that, that's a, an obligation. It's a fundamental obligation that it has. So the question really becomes, is it possible for an employer to keep an employee safe if someone hasn't been vaccinated? 
And I think generally the answer is going to be yes in the sense that, you know, right or wrong, our governments have decided that right now, there's no vaccine as of right now, you can still go to work as long as social distancing is happening, masks are being worn, uh, as long as, you know, people are limited in the workplace. So I think an employer can still uh, allow people to work even if they haven't been vaccinated as long as certain measures are in place. Now, an employer should not, if people haven't been vaccinated in the workplace, they can't disregard these things. They can't say, well, let's pretend that everything is normal and everyone's going to work with each other, no masks, etc. So it's a question of what does the employer do? If the employer pretends that everything is fine, even though no, and not everyone's been vaccinated, that's a problem. And as an employee, you may be able to quit in that situation and still get severance. But if the employer still imposes measures because not everyone's been vaccinated, that may be okay. Yeah. It's interesting. It's going to be an interesting uh, few uh, few months coming up for sure that this, uh, you know, imposed thing is going to be, uh, I don't know, I think it's going to ruffle a lot of feathers and people are going to have a million questions about it. So the actual ruling or the law may change in, uh, in some time. What else you got going on, pal? We got a couple minutes before we got a break. Yeah, so one of the topics I always say or one of the lines I often use is that it's a better to be let go than to quit. And today, I actually this morning, I spoke with someone that uh, is in a situation where it really confirms what I say. So this person uh, took uh, some, some vacation time. On the day he was supposed to come back to work, he wasn't feeling well. It wasn't COVID-related. He just had flown all night, so he was uh, really jet-lagged. So he called, called in sick. His employer called them, was kind of upset for him calling sick, and they wanted to meet with him the next day at work. He was upset at that. He thought that they're going to let him go, and he was, how dare they uh, want to let me go because I, I'm jet lagged. So what did he do? He said, well, that's it. I, I quit. I, I'm, I'm not going to come in because you're going to let me go, so I quit. And fast forward to today when he spoke to me, and he wanted to know, well, you know, did I do the right thing, and do they owe me anything? So here's the problem, John. He actually quit. His employer did not necessarily do anything wrong. They called him into a meeting. I don't know what the meeting was about. Maybe they were going to let him go. They're allowed to let him go. They would have had to pay him severance. But because he actually quit, he's actually not owed anything. This person was there for eight years. He would have been owed 10 months severance. So I wanted to remind everyone here, don't preemptively quit. It's better to be let go than to quit. Because if you are let go, you get your severance. If you just decide to quit to avoid being let go, that's a resignation. Now all of a sudden you've given your employer this gift where they don't have to pay you severance. So please don't do that Uh, in the vast majority of cases, almost every case. It is much, much, much better to be let go than to resign and giving up your compensation. Is there a certain amount of time you could have pulled it back and said, no, 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 heat of the moment, I, I, I take it back, I don't quit? Yeah, and, and that's what I told him. Listen, if this happened in the, over the last you know three or four days, you can still take it back, heat of the moment. Unfortunately, this happened over the summer, so too late now to do anything about it. So if you resign kind of heat of the moment, not thinking straight, you're upset, you have a few days to take it back. And if your employer doesn't allow you to take it back, that may be considered a termination, meaning you get severance. But you can't sit on that. Unfortunately, he sat on it for a few months. Now it's too late. And he gave up about 10 months severance. A lot of money. And I want to give you the number to reach out when the show's not on. You want more of a uh, lengthy private conversation with Lior or a member of his staff? No problem. 604-283-3123. No, your employer is not allowed to. We're going to go through a bunch of these. And maybe uh, these things, I would imagine, Lior, are talking points that the average uh, person 
average working person in this uh, this province probably has no idea for about half these that their employer is not allowed to do these things, right? I, I agree. I think that the average person uh, may not realize these things. I hope that our, our regular listeners do. Hopefully uh-huh. our regular listeners are, are a bit more informed and educated about workplace rights. So this may just be a review. But usually when someone calls me or emails me, it starts with the words, Lior, can my employer do dot, dot, dot. So we took a few of those most common questions that I get that start with that uh, line, and we're going to cover them now just so that you know if you're ever in that situation, is your employer allowed to do it or not? First one is this. No, your employer is not allowed to change your uh, pay, your job description, hours of work, location, all that stuff. There's a whole list, right? There's a whole list, and employer is not allowed to make significant changes to terms of employment. Now, that this is a rule that applies always, and it also applies now during COVID-19. Uh, despite the pandemic, the employer has not gained new rights. Uh, because, because there's a pandemic, that doesn't mean your employer can change your hours or your, your duties or make you part-time instead of full-time, etc. An employer does not have a unilateral right to do that. That said, the fact that the employer is not allowed to do it doesn't mean you can physically stop them. You can't physically right. restrain your employer from doing it. All that means is if your employer tries to do that, you now have options. Of course, option one is you can continue working. You can accept that change that your employer is imposing, or you can choose to treat that as a termination of employment. The term here is constructive dismissal. You can treat it as a constructive dismissal and say, I'm not accepting that. I'm going to treat what you've just done, this reduction, this relocation, uh, this change in uh, duties. I'm going to treat that as a termination of my employment, I'm going to make you pay me severance. So those are the options that you have. If you decide to accept it, that's a problem. You may be giving your employer the right to do it again and again, which is, of course, a huge problem. But no, your employer does not have an automatic, unilateral right to make significant changes to terms of employment. And You know, one of the questions that follows up that one always is, okay, what happens if it, it, it doesn't seem on the surface like it's a major change to me. Maybe it won't be so bad. Maybe I can cope with it, and I do like working here. Can I try it out for a bit? And if I don't like it, can I go back and say, nope, sorry, not going not gonna to continue on? Yeah, that's especially true if you're you know, relocated and you want to see how right. bad is it, or you're given a new job, and you're like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to like this job. So, yeah, you can try it out for, for a while, but I'm going to say two things about that. Number one is you want to tell your employer that that's what you're doing. So you want to make sure your employer knows that you're not just accepting it. I, I, you've changed my job. I'm not accepting it, but I'm willing to try it. So I'm going to try it for the next few weeks, employer, and see how things go. You want to say that, you want to say that in writing, number one. And number two is you can only do that for a few weeks. So after a few weeks, let's say three, four weeks or so, you can try it. And after that, you have to make a decision either yes, now you've accepted and you're continuing to work, or no, you're going to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Tell your employer that's what you're doing, number one, and only do that for a few weeks. If you do that, then you can try it out, see how it goes, and then make a decision. No, your employer is not allowed to put you on probation after you already passed the probation period. <laughs> right, and, and it seems obvious, but uh, you know, I, I see this often, all the time, in fact. Well, my employer told me they're going to extend my probation, or forget about extending, they're going to put me on probation. Can they do that? Well... I mean, they can say that they're doing that, but from a legal standpoint, it's actually meaningless. Okay, really, the probationary period, meaning a a period of time 
during which you can be let go for no reason and without compensation, that period of time can really only be three months. So anything beyond that, it it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really exist. So the fact that your employer says, oh, you're on probation, doesn't change the the, the legal situation that you're in. You're still a regular employee. So an employer can't really or properly or meaningfully extend your probation beyond three months, put you on probation all of a sudden. So that actually means that you shouldn't stress out too much if, if that's your situation. If your employer says, we're going to put you on probation, it, it doesn't give them new rights. Okay, It doesn't mean that now all of a sudden they could do something to you that they couldn't do before. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. You can't really be put on probation after three months. So continue working. Do your job as well as possible. And if your employer at some point says, well, because you were on probation, now we can just let you go and pay you nothing, that's nonsense. That's ridiculous. You get on the phone, you call me, and I'll deal with it. And the concept of probation, everybody assumes that's an automatic part of every job forever and never. Oh, man, it's, it's not the case. A probation's a thing of an employment agreement, is it not? Absolutely. You're not automatically on probation just because you started a new job. Yeah. Probation has to be created in an employment agreement that the employee agrees to and signs. So you're only on probation if you signed an employment agreement that says uh, the first three months of your employment are going to be a probationary period. Otherwise, you are not. If you simply started a job on a handshake or you started a job and signed an employment agreement that did not say anything on probation, then you're not on probation. It's not automatic. It has to be in an employment agreement. Again, the phone call, uh, you want to make it here now, 604-280-9898. That is the number to call into the station for the remainder of the show and email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca no your employer is not allowed to refuse to pay you overtime if you actually worked the extra hours that's right you know this is important overtime is important to remember if you work the overtime you are owed overtime okay if you even if your employer did not approve it even if your employer uh did not ask you to if you worked the overtime because it was necessary to work, not because you were slacking off, you worked it because you had to get the job done, your employer has to pay it and have to pay it the overtime rate. Uh, and I'll go a step further. Even if your employer says to you, don't, don't work overtime, but now it's five o'clock and you have to finish the job, so you stay later and, and, and you finish the job, as long as it's legitimate, your employer still has to pay it. Your employer can't come back the next morning and say, wait a second, you worked till 7, I told you not to work past 5, so I'm not paying you. No. If you worked it, if it was legitimate, your employer has to pay that overtime. Uh, and remember, eight hours, over 8 hours a day or over 40 hours a week, you get time and a half. Salary or hourly, uh, hourly employees works just the same. So your employer cannot avoid paying you overtime if you actually worked the hours. Now I know if there if there is an issue with overtime, people can call your office, no problem. But is this one of the one of the situations as opposed to severance where someone can safely contact the employment standards branch? Right, and you know we we talk about you cannot and should not contact the employment standards branch if you lost your job, and that's a rule. You could take that to the bank, and that's going to always be the rule. Uh, for, for if you lost your job, you have to speak with a lawyer. You have to get legal advice. Uh, employment standards branch cannot properly help employees that have lost their job. That said, with respect to your overtime, your vacation pay issues, your statutory holiday issues, absolutely. 
the Employment Standards Branch is the place you should go to. They're well equipped to handle that, to, to uh, make sure that, number one, they can advise you if you're owed something, and also to help you get that overtime, that vacation pay, if it is owed to you. So overtime, absolutely, Employment Standards Branch is your friend for sure. Uh, lo- losing your job, the opposite is true. You cannot, should not go there. In fact, you know, just to, just to sidetrack a moment, it is an issue even if you start a claim with the Employment Standards Branch and then call you, correct? That could be a problem. It, you could. You could be compromising your rights if you file a claim with the Employment Standards Branch. It, it, certainly, if, with respect to losing your job, don't do that. Not a good idea. And remember, the Employment Standards Branch, when it comes to losing your job, can only help you enforce your minimum entitlements. Right. So you work for three years, they can help you get three weeks severance. But wait a second. Your full entitlements could be six months severance, eight months, 12 months, 24 months. For that, you have to get some legal advice, uh, and, and that's why the Employment Standards Branch is simply not the place you go to if you lost your job. But yeah, overtime, absolutely yes. In the meantime, know your employer is not allowed to make up a bogus negative performance review. Come on. Absolutely, and uh, you'd be surprised, John, how many times, uh, how many calls, emails, questions I get about that as well. Uh, you know, I I don't think I did anything wrong. My employer is pushing me out. Uh, my boss is uh, writing me up, giving me uh, in, inappropriate or, as you said, bogus performance reviews. So that's not obviously legitimate. A performance review has to be uh, based in fact, has to be correct, has to be legitimate and done in good faith. And if it's not, that is a problem. If you, in fact, can show that you're getting bogus and, and bad faith performance reviews, that alone, that alone could be considered a, construct, a constructive dismissal uh, because your employer is clearly treating you very poorly. At a minimum, what I want you to do if you feel you're getting these bogus performance reviews is in writing, say why you don't agree with it. Don't say that it's bogus, but say, here's what you said I did, but here's, in fact, what I d- did do. Tell them the truth. Tell them what happened. Give your perspective on it. By doing that, you're protecting your rights. By doing that, no one can ever say that you accepted it, that you agreed to it, that you didn't object to it. So no, your employer can't just make stuff up. In fact, if you can show that that the employer is doing that, that alone could be illegal. That alone could be a constructive dismissal. You want to really reach out to me in that situation. You bet. 604-280-9898. That is the way to uh, to call through, get to, uh, to Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Good afternoon. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's up? Um, so my question is, um, usually when you take a vaccine, um, after something like 48 hours, usually the drug uh, or vaccine company is completely indemnified from any harm, uh, serious health reaction, or even death from the vaccine. So if your employer mandates makes it mandatory that you have to take the covid vaccine and you have a serious health uh you know reaction serious illness damage or even death who is liable because you know the drug company is certainly identified um from any you know damage would your employer be uh liable for damages uh no your employer uh, would not be simply because uh, it's not their negligence. There could be negligence. There could be negligence on the par- on the part of the uh, the vaccine company, but there could, certainly can also be negligence on the part of the government that approved the vaccine, who said, "Yeah, these vaccines are safe." It would not be uh, it would not be the liability of the employer. The other thing to keep in mind is that if you got the vaccine at work and then you became uh, 
uh, a, a sick, that could potentially be a WorkSafe BC issue, but potentially not. The, the employer would never be liable because they didn't create the vaccine. They were not negligent. It would either be the uh, pharmaceutical company or the government. It's hmm. a great question. Jackie, appreciate that. Moving on, 604-280-9898. And we'll get to, to Randy. Hi, Randy. Thanks for standing by. Good afternoon. Hi, thank you. Uh, question for you. Uh, my question was uh, surrounding the overtime issue. Uh, I have a young son works in the, the construction industry, and his he, they don't get paid overtime, and they do they do tend to work sometimes a fair amount of it. I'm wondering what he needs to do to prove that he's worked that overtime. What is what is the absolute necessary things he needs, and also um, can that be retroactively claimed from the time when they've been refusing to pay it? Um, I don't know how long he'll be with this job. There's other other issues with with um, treatment and, and whatnot that uh, he, he probably won't stay. So I'm wondering if he can collect it later when he leaves or if he leaves or if he has to do it while he's still there. So, Randy, unfortunately, with respect to overtime, uh, there's an exemption for construction employees. So as a construction employee, the, the, the overtime rules don't, don't apply to them. There's a number of uh, rules and laws that are uh, exempt, that construction employees are exempt from, and that's one of them. So because of that, he gets paid whatever he and his employer have agreed to, uh, and, and that's it. So because of that, even though he may be working a certain amount of hours, unless his employer had previously agreed to pay for that, uh, there's there's not overtime in the same way that there would be for a non-construction employee. The number uh, to use to call, and like everyone is so far, you know it's 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898. Nine eight nine eight is the uh, the way we do that. We'll move on to another call here. I don't know if I see a name. Hi there. How are you? Good afternoon. Yeah. So yeah. How how you doing? Good. Yeah, sorry, okay, man. I, uh, I, I didn't catch okay. your I didn't catch your name. Uh, Steven. Steven. Sorry, man. My my call screen's kind of small. What's up, Steve? Yeah. I, listen. Okay. I, I I work for a guy in um in uh in the um the the, the stone and uh, gravel. Uh, sorry, not gravel, but. The, the marble t- uh, granite tables and stuff like that mm. uh, about two years about it's, it was like in uh, in in uh i think it was 2018 and he sent me a text and he told me that i was at this shoddy work and but i was helping him as a laborer as um lifting up the stones and and carrying it from it and he set it up down and all this and he got all the prep work and all this stuff and I basically I was just a laborer, and anyways, he he sent me a text. And he was telling me that I did uh I wasn't uh, welcome, whatever this and that, and he didn't pay me for like uh, for a lot of work that I've done in hotels and other places and all kinds of all kinds of homes we did together. And uh, I guess he took advantage of it. And he figures, I guess, being I didn't know it was under the table type thing. Yeah. Oh, I see. I guess I guess he just he took advantage. <laughs> How long ago was this? Uh, uh, well, Steve? it was it, it was uh, it, um, it was like in 2018, and I had a seizure, and I ended up in a hospital. And uh, next thing you know, um, I couldn't I couldn't fight. I couldn't. <laughs> I, there's nothing I could do. I was in the hospital, so. So the the problem, unfortunately, right now is that of time. Right? It, it looks like we we would be out of time if it happened in 2018 because there's a, a, a two year limitation period. So that's the problem here. You absolutely would have been able to fight it, even if you had gotten paid under the table. There's two things. Number one is he would have had to pay you for your time work. Uh, as long as we can show that, that you did work, he would have had to pay for it, number one. 
And number two, depending on how long you worked and, and the nature of the relationship, you may also uh, have been entitled to severance. So both of those things are possible. And it's an important reminder there uh, that even if you get paid under the table, by the way, that, that is an Ill- illegal arrangement, of course, getting paid under the table. Uh, but even in those situations, you still have rights, okay? You, you st- if you can show that you worked, your employer has to pay you. So you want to consider that. And of course, the other reminder here is that two-year limitation period. Uh, if you lose your job, if you're owed something, you only have two years from the date that that happens to be able to pursue your rights. You want to reach out, by the way, to talk to Leo after the show for a lengthier conversation. I'm going to give you that information right now. I advise you at least write it down and keep it. You might need it now or in the future. 604-283-3123. That's the number to get a hold of Leo at the firm and help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, you know the number, 604-280-9898. Moving on to uh, to Joe. Hey, Joe, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time this afternoon. How are you? Hey, Joe. Joe's not there. We got no Joe. We'll put Joe back on hold, and we'll see if we get to uh, Roy. Hi, Roy. Hey, Roy. Good afternoon, Roy. No, we don't have Roy. Uh, actually, uh, ah, okay. retired carpenter. Okay. Okay, I'm a retired carpenter. I was with the union for uh, 20 years, and now I'm uh, actually working part-time for one of these... Uh, for a number of these part-time hiring agencies. Okay. Are are you familiar with those at all? Yep, of you course. You get paid by paid by the day, or not obligated to work for an employer or anything. Yeah, I'm absolutely familiar. Okay, so I go from uh, forty-nine, fifty dollars an hour to twenty-five dollars an hour, and the employer takes the twenty dollars on the top side, right? And a lot of these employers that I get sent to work for, they treat the workers very badly. And when I, I, I demand respect when I go to work, but I see so many employees, you know, uh, immigrants and refugees working for minimum wage, being abused. Are there any people looking after this industry, the temporary uh, Hiring agencies? So the problem, Roy, is that the the, the law has to be triggered by the individual. Okay? So uh, there's no agency that goes to inspect to make sure that employees are are treated properly. Uh, The law says, okay, we're here to protect you, but you have to trigger it. You, the employee, have to come and say, I have a problem. So if an employee that's being mistreated, harassed, bullied, what have you, doesn't do anything, doesn't say anything about it, then the law has no way to, to help that person. And, and I understand the frustration because a lot of these individuals may not know they have a right. They may be uh, immigrants, maybe they're not comfortable or, or, or they don't know where to go to. And that's a huge problem. And that's why I'm hoping that, you know, the rest of us, if we see some uh, people out there that are vulnerable, that are being mistreated, we can say something to them. We can point them in the right direction uh, because, yes, you know, there's human rights issues there. Uh, there's other issues and, and recourse that they have. Uh, harassment, mistreatment, completely inappropriate, unacceptable. I agree completely. 
but the individual has to be the one triggering it. Uh, unfortunately, we, we don't have the manpower, the government doesn't have the manpower to go workplace to workplace and, and see what's happening. The individual has to you know, raise the issue first. No, your employer is not allowed to. How about this one? Take away your seniority by making you an independent contractor. That's a great maneuver. <laughs> yeah. In other words, hey, we, we're going to make you a contractor. You've been an employee up until now, and now we're going to make you a contractor. That's nonsense. You can't magically uh, press a button, and all of a sudden, now you're an independent contractor. Uh, in most cases, what I see is a situation where someone is doing a job, and then they somehow become an independent contractor, but they continue doing the same job. It doesn't work that way at all. There's a huge, huge difference between an employee and an independent contractor. And oftentimes you will see a situation where the company says, well, now we're going to make you an, an, an independent contractor. The individual may think, well, that's not a bad thing. Maybe I can get some tax breaks so I'll be an independent contractor. Fast forward two years later, company lets the person go and they say, well, you're an independent contractor. We don't have to pay you anything. Nonsense. In that scenario, the, the individual would have been an employee all along. So if you've you've been working and then somehow you your employer changed your status to independent contractor, chances are that's a waste of time, a waste of paper. Uh, it's meaningless. You're likely an employee all along, and that's important because when your position ends, when your job ends, if you're let go, you're going to be owed severance because you are an employee. In fact, for everyone out there that believes that they're an independent contractor, even if they've been an independent contractor for years and years and years, chances are the law considers you to be an employee. The law would then say, if you are let go, you have to get paid your full severance. That's the way that works. Again, any more uh, discrepancies, anything uh, comes to mind, you want to chat off air, 604-283-3123 is the, uh, the way to do that, going to move to uh, get, just getting Joe ready. Got some issues with his line. Want to move to uh, to Barry? Hey, Barry, how are you? Hey there, good. Got a question. Um, I, I'm going to try to like make it as brief as possible. The introduction first, because it could be potentially a little confusing. I'm an employer, not an employee in the sense. I picked up a temporary office staff help from a temp agency. The employee is working out excellently. Um, we've we're only contracted from the temp agency for six hours per day. Hmm. When, obviously acknowledging the limitations of the contract between my company and the temp agency, is there any problem with like topping up that employee's hours at like the cutover between what their contract would end and they'd move on to my payroll specifically regarding overtime. So if they work under the temp agency's contract from, the morning to 2 p.m. perhaps, then 2 to 4 p.m., the last two hours would come out of my pocket. At that eight-hour mark, even though they've only been on, even though they've been working for eight hours straight, they've been temp for six and my payroll for two. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. Uh, so let me answer that. First of all, in terms of can you do that, unless the contract with the temp agency says that you cannot, then yes, you can. But here's the interesting thing. The law is going to consider them to be your employees, not the temp agency's employees. And the reason for that is the temp agency doesn't do anything other than pay them. They do work for you. They take instructions from you. They're in your facilities. It's your money that's paying them. The temp agency gets money from you. So if they work supposedly with the temp agency for six hours and then they work for you for two or three hours, yes, they're going to be owed overtime. 
and you're going to have to pay it, unfortunately. Uh, and the law would then even say that even beyond that, uh, you know, if, if at some point they're let go, you may have to pay them severance as well. You may actually be a, an employer of them already, even though I know on paper that they're not. Remember, the law always looks at substance over form, right? So if they look like your employee and they act like your employee, then they're uh, your employee, regardless of what piece of paper you may have signed with that temp agency. So would you owe them overtime in that situation? Yes, you absolutely would. Uh, no question. Makes sense. Ma- All right. I guess we uh, we got enough of Barry for now. Okay, we'll move on to uh, to Joe. Let's get Joe on. Finally, Joe, standing by. Hi, Joe. Good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you doing? Good. What's up? What's on your mind? Thanks for taking my call. So in January of 2020, uh, one of my employees uh, went on a medical leave of absence uh, for mental health issues. Uh, right before she went on the medical leave of absence, she had blamed her supervisor uh, as the cause of the medical uh, leave uh, and claimed that she was being bullied and harassed by her. Uh, she proceeded to go on a medical leave and then just last week, um, a bullying and harassment claim was filed against me, uh, the boss of the supervisor. Um, it's been more than six months, and our policy states that it has to, any claim must be filed within six months. Um, I want to know what my rights are, uh, considering that the policy clearly states that it has to be within six months. And then uh, a secondary piece to that is how... Uh, how can I uh, make clear that the individual claims someone else was a bully and harasser before she went on leave in January and is now blaming me? Now, uh, uh, when you're talking, Joe, about the, the six-month policy, is that just a, a workplace policy or is it part of a collective agreement? Uh, it's a workplace policy, but there is a, um, it is a union staff member. Uh, but see. it is a policy for uh, the institution. So it's if it's uh, part of the collective agreement that says that an employee can only bring a harassment uh, complaint within six months, then that harassment complaint may be barred. Actually, may, they may not be able to do anything about it. If it's if it's simply a policy that the company has, but it's not part of the collective agreement, it may not matter because the law says that if th- th- that there's no limits like that. But so it's really only if it's part of the collective agreement. If she okay. is able to to bring the harassment complaint, uh, the company is required to investigate that and determine yeah. what happened. And of course, if she said that it was this person, then change her mind, said that it was you, that goes through her credibility. And whoever's going to do the investigation is going to look at that and say, well, she doesn't seem very credible. And that's going to hurt her complaint. Uh, so okay. you, you have a right to, to be uh, heard for your side of the story to be heard to, to tell what happened you have a right to to be treated fairly uh, and not to have any conclusions made uh, about you without proper investigation so those are your rights and anything that less than that is inappropriate now depending on the situation she may be barred from complaining against you but again only if it's part of the collective agreement the collective agreement may bar that in which case it doesn't matter you, you're, you're kind of home free uh, and yeah. I would I would speak at that point with the company's lawyer to determine whether or not, or, or, or you know, the owner of the company or whoever is representing the company to determine whether or not it's in, in fact part of the collective agreement. Perfect. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. 
No problem. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate your time this afternoon. Again, reaching out to Lior, 604-283-3123. That's the number after the show. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is exactly how that email uh, example works. I want to get to one here before we wrap. I've got a couple minutes to go. Sean writes in, says, uh, Lior, I was let go for cause because my employer said I missed too many days of work for medical reasons. Can they do that? Nonsense. Of course not. Absolutely not. Now, as long as those medical reasons were valid and as long as there's a doctor's note available if one is requested then that can never be cause and the reason it can't be cause is he didn't do anything wrong he it's not like he decided to be sick well you know what would be nice today it would be nice if i'm sick and i'm in bed all day and i don't then i don't go to work nonsense if you're sick and you can't go to work that by definition means you're not doing anything on purpose and if you're not doing anything on purpose it's not misconduct so you can never be let go for cause because you missed days of work. That's ridiculous. Think about it this way, John. The whole point of termination for cause is to teach the employee a lesson. What lesson are we trying to teach here? Uh, don't be sick. I mean, it's ridiculous. And in fact, depending on why the employee was sick and how serious it was, terminating that employee could be a human rights violation as well. So there's a lot wrong here, and that that individual should give me a call as soon as possible. No, you cannot be let go if you're legitimately sick. If you miss work because you're sick, if you have doctor's notes, you cannot be let go for cause, never, never, and potentially that's human rights uh, violation right there. Fantastic afternoon. Appreciate all of your uh, calls and your input. We're going to uh, we're going to bail for another afternoon. We are just about out of time, but in the meantime, you want to reach out, give you a couple different ways before we go. First, the phone number 604-283-3123. Use it anytime. Email address you just heard there was help at employmentlawyer.ca and the website 24/7 absolutely free, anonymous, full of information necessary for sure. pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Appreciate everybody calling in and we'll catch you next weekend employment law show on cknw the proceeding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of cknw